Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. That the uh, Christmas decorations are gone, right? And uh, yesterday, the Adolis class uh, took those down. They were the ones responsible this year for putting up and taking down the Christmas decorations, and we thank you for your work with that. And um, we took our Christmas decorations down this uh, week as well, uh, yesterday. Every year, it seems like, whenever we take down the Christmas decorations, um, there's, there's always one item that gets left behind, right? You know, I keep my stuff, I have, we have an old house, I have an attic upstairs, or a dormer off one of the rooms. I have to unscrew this piece of board and I put everything back in there. I took it off twice to put stuff back in. <laughs> I finally got it done. And, uh, you know, every year, uh, this year as I took out the Christmas tree, uh, it never fails. Every year, uh, there's one ornament left on it that almost goes to the dump, right? <laughs> to the recycle. And Teresa caught it just as I was heading out the door this year and we got that off. And then, um, I uh, got everything put away, and this morning, went to put the dog out, went to get the door handle, and there's the Christmas decoration that goes on the door handle. <laughs> so I'm going to have to unscrew the board and take it off again and <laughs> for that one. <laughs> actually, I got some lights to put away, too. And <laughs> So actually, this morning and for the next few weeks, um, you get uh, a bit of leftover uh, from Sunday school, okay? Because uh, in our class that I've been teaching, we've been doing Galatians. And we got through Galatians 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I, and I promised the group, we had a large group in there, and I said, you know what, we'll finish Galatians, the rest of it, chapter 5 and 6, 6, we'll make a good, short Sunday morning series. Because it's a very practical a very life-applicable passage of Scripture. And so this is a little bit uh, left over from Sunday school. And uh, we'll uh, keep it out for a few weeks, and then we'll take the board off and put it away. I'll let you know when it's done, okay? <laughs> so this morning, if you would turn to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 5. And, and, and I know it's a little bit of a disadvantage for those who weren't in the class, but there's a real simple solution. Just take a few minutes this week and read chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay? And uh, you'll read. If you, I would suggest you just sit down and read it in one setting. It's not very long. Uh, when these epistles were written the first time and delivered to the churches, they sat there and listened to it uh, read in one setting and then went over it and over it. And so I encourage you to do that. Well, let's pray. Father, as we open your word, uh, it's our prayer, as always, that your words would be heard. And may they encourage us, draw us close to you, and to help us to understand uh, more of you and, and more of ourselves through your word this morning. We ask your blessing upon it. May your Holy Spirit truly be in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. Back in 1215... The year 1215, a article was um, signed in England called the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta was signed by the king, and uh, this copy here is probably from about 1295. It's one of the oldest uh, copies in the museum. And uh, the Magna Carta, really the king of England was sort of, was really forced into signing this. It wasn't necessarily his idea. 
but several barons, uh, landowners, and other important people uh, forced the issue, and uh, he signed the Magna Carta. It was very um, uh, controversial. Uh, the Pope uh, rejected it right away. Other institutions. Um, the Magna Carta, though, actually became really the foundation for much of what we experience today as a free people. Really, the, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, uh, really so much of it, uh, your legal rights, uh, so much of it actually goes back to the, the, the kernels that were in the Magna Carta. It was a very, very important document in the history of Western civilization, especially in our story as Americans. Very important. It did not grant any new rights, but it did protect existing rights in writing. These rights included the basic right of anyone convicted of a crime to a jury trial, protection of private property, reasonable limits on taxes, and a degree of guaranteed religious freedom. The Magna Carta was a significant influence on the long historical process that resulted in the Constitution that we uh, enjoy today. And our founding fathers in our country um, appealed to the Magna Carta for many aspects of our Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, these documents that are so important to us. It's interesting that uh, Galatians, the epistle of Paul written to the churches in Galatia, Galatia is an area, you can think today, of uh, Turkey, and you can think of the area of uh, sort of probably southern central Turkey as the area of Galatia in the Roman Empire, and there were several churches that had been founded there, many by, of course, the Apostle Paul on his first and second missionary journeys. And in that area of Galatia, when Paul writes this, many have referred to Galatians as the Magna Carta of Christian liberty, of Christian freedom. The Magna Carta of Christian liberty and Christian freedom. And one of the authors that um, I've been reading in my studies for this said that if that is true, then Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 is the, is the key verse of this Magna Carta of Christian liberty. The issue in Galatia. Who are the true people of God? And how should they govern their lives? Who are the true people of God? As we've been looking in our class, and i just give you just a quick background. Uh, you have the, the churches that were established by the Apostle Paul. They are made up of a mix of Jews who, had, when Paul had come to synagogue and preached the gospel, who ex- accepted Christ as the Savior and as the Messiah and accepted him as their, as their personal Savior, as you have done, and Gentiles, non-Jews, this is the, in the Bible world, this is very important. Um, they came as well. Many of them had been attending synagogue, and they began, and, and, and of course they had to separate and begin a new house of prayer, a new house of study, and they met on the first day of the week. Why do we meet the first day of the week? Because it's, huh? That's it. Resurrection Sunday. This is why we meet the first day of the week. And the churches in Galatia began to meet that first day of the week. And as they began to explore their new position in Jesus Christ, saved by God's grace, forgiven completely of all their sins, free from the burdens of the law. 
As this began to take place and the churches began to grow, pretty soon there were those who came up from Palestine, from Judea, and began to teach and began to infiltrate the churches to say, yes, this is true, but you also know you have to keep the Mosaic Law. Certain aspects like circumcision, like uh, food issues, uh, kosher eating and so forth, and cleanliness, purity issues. Yes, you are saved by God's grace. Yes, you are forgiven. And some of you maybe know what I'm talking about, because maybe you've come from a background where you were taught, yes, you are forgiven. Yes, you are saved by God's grace. But you also understand, in addition to that, you have to do this, 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 and this to really have standing before God. And so Paul writes this letter to the Galatians to combat this, to, to challenge this, to save the, the churches from this division, from this difficulty that they are going through, and to help them understand. And so we have in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. It's interesting, in the original language in the Greek, that first sentence is really just four words. Freedom. You. Christ. And set free. That The set free is one word in the Greek. Freedom. You. Christ. Set free. It's very short. It's very emphatic. It's very powerful. It's very strong. Paul is attempting to get their attention with a very short terse, strong, emphatic statement. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And the tense of the set free emphasizes not so much when, but that they were set free. Stand firm in this, Galatians. Don't give in. Stand firm. There is much at stake. Who are the true people of God? We have just, in chapter 4, we just finished the section when we studied this on, on uh, slavery, uh, the, the, the slave woman Hagar and the free woman Sarah and their children and what they represent. We've, we, we read about Abraham as we read in Romans. that We read that, that those who come by faith are the true children of Abraham, even today. Because Abraham is the father of all who come by simple faith. And in this case today, faith in Christ. Faith in his finished work on the Calvary for our salvation. In the Old Testament, when God called Abraham and said, Abraham, look at the stars of the sky. If you, can, if you can start counting, go ahead and count them. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Abraham was, had, had no descendants. He was, he was pushing 100 years old. He had no children of a, that, 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 could be, that could stand in this place. And God says, do you believe this? And it says, Abraham believed God. And the Bible says God credited, God counted that to Abraham as righteousness. And, and as Paul tells us in Romans and Galatians, he became the father for all ages, all dispensations, all eras of those who come by faith. I came by faith as a child. Simple faith. I didn't understand all the doctrine, all the theology, but I did understand I was a sinner. And when I looked at that flannel graph lesson, at Camp Gilead and, 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 and Pastor Wayne Johnson putting up the pictures and taking them down of the flannel graph. And God opened my heart that I was a sinner, that I needed salvation, that Jesus Christ died in the cross at Calvary and He paid for my sin. Now, there's so much of that. There's some very deep theology, some very deep understanding. 
How did he do that? What did that mean? How, we've just celebrated Christmas. How is it possible he could be fully God, fully man? But I had simple faith. And I put my faith and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he acknowledged I needed a Savior and I was sinful. And that Christ died and paid for my sins. And I could receive him as my substitute sacrifice and become my Savior. And the Holy Spirit gave me new life. The lights didn't go off. I didn't all of a sudden have a big smile on my face the rest of my life. You know, I was, but, it, but it was different. I became a Christian. I passed from death into life. And Paul says, I became free. And I want to talk about that today and next Sunday. What does it mean to be free in Christ? Because as we say oftentimes, it's two sides of the same coin. The coin of freedom in Christ. I don't know if I have a coin in my pocket today. Sorry, no coins. I'll have to pretend I have a coin here, okay? I see you don't have one either. You'd offer me one. A, 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 a coin that has on one side this picture and on this side the other picture. It's the same coin, but depending on what you're looking at, you're seeing two different sides, two different pictures, but it's the same coin. As we study this, today we're going to, and this is why it's important, if, if you're not going to be here next week, I would encourage you after next Sunday to check into our website and get the second part of this message. Because if you only get the first part, it could be a little dangerous. It could be a little dangerous. Because freedom in Christ, yes, it can be a dangerous doctrine. There's another side to it. And we're going to talk about that next week. We'll introduce it at the end today. We'll talk about it next week. But we're going to talk about freedom. What does it mean to be free in Christ? We have been set free. And Paul says we want you to stand firm in that freedom. Back to verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, which indicates it's possible that it's possible as a Christian that even though I am set free, that I could pick up the yoke of slavery, you know, the burden of slavery. You think of, a, of, a, of an oxen, you know, that are, that are plowing the field in the old days with a yoke over them. And Paul says, you don't have to wear that yoke. Even the Lord Jesus Christ said that my, you know, my yoke, my burden is easy and light compared to what they're offering you. But if you want to, Jim, if you want to as a Christian, you can choose to pick up that yoke and put it on and live like that. But you don't have to because you're free. And that freedom means something. And so this morning I want us to consider, first of all, what are we, what are we free from? What are we free from? I'm just going to talk about three things. You could think of probably more. First of all, we are free from the slavery to sin. You and I are free from the bondage of sin. Now, I'm not, you, you know, you know right away in your heart, as I know, that we are not free completely from sin. We do not teach in our church sinless perfection. Some people teach that. That's possible in this life to get to a point where you never sin anymore. I don't see that in God's Word. I don't see that. But we are free from the bondage and the slavery of sin. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. You know, Romans and Galatians. Just go back, in, just go back in a few books in your Bible before Corinthians to Romans. Romans and Galatians have so much in common. 
They have so much in common. And they actually cover so much of the same territory. And they were written, you know, not that far apart. But look at Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, we have this, this amazing passage where Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? And this is what we're going to talk about a little bit next. This is a dangerous doctrine. Paul faced this in the first century because he has just been talking about we are, we are free and we, we are the children of Abraham and we are free from the bondage of, of these different things. And we are forgiven for all of our sins. I am forgiven for all of my sins, past, present, and, and future. I am forgiven. And that is a dangerous doctrine. That is a very dangerous doctrine because one could, in fact, Paul seems to be um, facing this very question. In fact, he's, he's emphasized the grace of God so much in Romans that it appears some are saying, well, wait a minute, let me get this straight now. If if God's grace is shown because he's forgiven my sin, and if his grace is continued shown because I, because I continue to sin, that therefore, if I sin, the more I sin, I'm doing God a favor because the more grace he can show. It appears that there's some kind of argument along these lines. And Paul's answer is simply this. I, I like, you know, God forbid in the earlier translations. God forbid. Then he says, what shall we say then? Verse 1. Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? Is that what we're supposed to do? By no means. God forbid. We died to sin. Now, I want you to look at this language here. This is Paul. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers at Rome. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. If I were to ask you today, do you feel dead to sin? Do you feel dead to sin? But Paul says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And the word there, baptized, it means placed into. Those of us who have been placed into Christ, we were, how is it that you died to sin? Paul says you died to sin because of what Christ did. You've been placed into Christ. You've been placed into his death. We were therefore, listen, We, you, me, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, Jim, your old self, was crucified with him on the, on, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So the Bible tells us. This is a deep truth. It's a deep truth. But it's true that when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, I died there as well. When God looks at me, he sees me in Jesus Christ. He sees me in Christ. I have been baptized, not by water, but by the Holy Spirit. There's one spirit, there's one baptism, the baptism of the Spirit, Paul tells us in Corinthians. We have been placed into Christ. And when God looks at me, he sees me in the death, the burial, and, and I have already been resurrected. Now look at me. Look at me. I have been resurrected. I don't even have any hair anymore. I mean, things are changing, you know. 
I'm getting older. I you know I, I've got I could cut and bleed. I could you know I'm 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 a physical body still. It has not been resurrected. But but God says in Christ I'm it's already happened. And because of that, and this is deep truth, I understand that. But the Bible says it. The Bible says it. And we're going to talk about the application next week to this. That because of this, I am free from the bondage and power of sin or the slavery of sin. I do not. Now, Galatians, Jim, don't put that yoke back on again. If you choose to, you can. But you're free. It's not going to change the fact you are free. You are free to live from the dominion, the power, the bondage, the slavery of sin. That's what I'm free from. And that's what you are free from if you know Christ as Savior. We are free from the works of the law. Now, to you and me, this, we don't think of our life this way. You know, we don't, you don't think of the Mosaic law. But to the Galatians, and, and we think of, in a, in a sense, I want you to think about what it represents. The works of the law that God gave them. And it was, it was a temporary, Paul calls it a schoolmaster. It was, it was good. It was given by God. It was not a bad thing. But it served a purpose. And when that purpose was over, it was over. And the purpose of that law was to bring them under tutelage, the Bible says, or, or a, the stewardship of an instructor, a leader to help them as they, as they walk by faith with God. It was always by faith. We know that from the minor prophets. God says, listen, to the minor prophets, when Israel was trying to carry on like everything was fine, when their heart was far from God, and yet they were still going and offering sacrifices and offerings and incense and trying to carry out the law, while at the same time they were worshiping Baal and Ashtra, and the prophets on behalf of God say, say, take your offerings and they stink. Take them away. I don't want them. Bring to me a clean heart. Then bring your offerings. As, a, as an example, as a work of faith, bring your heart first. Some of you maybe have a background. And maybe you're struggling with this even today. Or even in our culture, while we don't, we don't have the Mosaic law so much that's on our minds, there is a, league, there's a law in Christianity a law that says you must do this, you must be this, you must go through these hoops, you must offer these sacraments, you must participate in this in order for your faith and your salvation to be truly where it needs to be. Listen, friends, it's either by grace or it isn't. It's either by the grace of God or it isn't by the grace of God. It's either a gift or it isn't. We've just been through Christmas. We shared gifts. We shared gifts with our family and we have grandchildren um, some of them don't live in this area, but some do. And we had Christmas with them. And we, I mean, what kind of a grandfather would we be to give our grandson or daughter a gift? You know, a child is looking forward to it. And they unwrap us. You know, just a minute now, you understand what you have to do to earn that gift, don't you? That's not a gift. It's a gift or it isn't a gift. There's, there's no in between. It's a gift or it's something you work for. And Paul says that, that, that we are free. We have been given salvation freely, but yet they were struggling with the works of the law. And you see in, in Romans, where you're still in Romans, look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God 
as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Unmerited favor, grace of God. You don't deserve it. You are not earning it by the law. And we go back to to, to Galatians and turn back to Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, Paul does deal with this. We We are no longer, we are free from the slavery to sin. We, the Galatians, were free from having to combine the law with grace. Just as today as Christians, you are free from having to combine sacraments and other things and and rituals. I mean, there are there are rituals that are meaning meaningful. We have we we do communion in our church in a certain way. We do it the same way every time we take it. We had the Advent candle. You know, our service that we even this morning. There are certain things we do every week. That's fine. But we would dare never say if you don't take communion the way we take it, you're not saved. If you don't do the Advent candle the way we do it, if you don't have your worship service the way we do it, you're not saved. No, that's that's not what we're talking about. But there are those who try to do that. And Paul says, no, you are free from that. And in Galatians chapter 5, and this goes into the next one, we are free then from legalism. We are free from legalism that says you have to do things the way I do it. You have to like the things I like. You have to sing the way I sing. You have to dress the way I dress. I mean, I, I, I choose to dress this way on Sunday morning. It's my choice. There's no implication that somebody who doesn't dress this way is any less or has nothing to do with it. This is my choice. What I eat is my choice. How I sing and I can and I enjoy all the music that we share in the church. And I appreciate our those who lead in worship and the work they go to to provide what we're trying to provide a balance and a blended service in our church where we are using new music and old music and good instrumentation in our choir and giving you a chance to worship and sing. This is not legalistic. And look what Paul, this is serious what Paul says to these people in chapter 5 of Galatians, in verse 2. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you. Paul's being very emphatic here. If you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Now, circumcision becomes sort of the rallying cry for the rest of the Mosaic Law. Circumcision and purity, food purity issues, the two that go run up the flagpole. He says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. Listen, it's either all or nothing. If you think you have to keep the law, then keep the entire law. Keep the entire thing. If you think you have to add one aspect of legalism, then you're going to have to add all of it. You're either free or you're not. You're either free or you're not. You, verse 4, who are trying to be justified by law, you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, I know there's, there's a little controversy on that verse there because uh, we teach in our church the doctrine of eternal security. We teach that once you are saved, you have become a new creation and you never become an old creation again uh, and have to become a new creation over again. This verse does mention that, though, that you could fall away from grace. But when you take it in the big picture of, of Paul's writings and Paul's teachings, I think we'll see that what he's talking about is it's just like putting yourself, he says in Romans, under the yoke of slavery. It doesn't change the fact you're free, but you can act like a slave. And it doesn't change the fact you are saved by God's grace, but you can fall away from the joy and experience of it in your daily life if you choose to live under the law. 
by verse 5, but by faith, we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. You can add anything you want in there. Neither baptism nor unbaptism, communion nor uncommunion, gifts or ungifts, dress code or undress code, um, music style or a different music style. You can add what you want in there. Paul says none of these things have any value when it comes to salvation. The only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself through love. Listen, friends, we have been free from slavery to sin. We are free from having to keep the works of the law, not just the Mosaic law, but anything that's, that is put on us today as law, and that leads into the freedom we have from legalism. We are free. You are free. Being free, the implications for us, being free is a relationship with God. It is a result of the death of Christ. It's from being redeemed. It's as simple as that. Freedom. We are free to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe who loves us, who loves us deeply, who loves you deeply, who loves you so much that Christ himself came to earth and died and paid the price for your sin. This is what we are free for. We are free to live life in the realm of the Holy Spirit because the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, becomes part of our life and indwells us. And this is a freedom that you only receive through the work of Jesus Christ. Freedom is very personal and it's very Real, I could say it's existential, you know, in the sense that word means existence. It means life. This is a very real doctrine, friends. This is not just a theology. This is just not a teaching from Galatians. This is very real that you are free because of what Christ did for you. And being free has social implications for our lives together and within our community. You know, in John, in the Gospel of John, he, the Lord Jesus Christ told, told says those who followed him that, that they were coming to him and he, and he said to them, you know, you think, you think you have freedom through keeping the law. You think you have freedom through the things that are before you. You think you have freedom just because you are children of Abraham. But the, but the Lord Jesus Christ said to them, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. They answered him and said, we are... And it's interesting, he he said this to those who were believing on him. And they said, wait a minute, Jesus. We are Abraham's descendants. We are children of Abraham. We have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, but you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence 
and you do what you heard from your father. And again, they said, Abraham is our father. And the Lord was predicting and looking ahead and said, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free and you will be free in me. The Lord is the Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So this morning, as we come to the close of this, in part one of this, I want to emphasize what Paul emphasizes in Galatians chapter 5. His answer to the threat of legalism, his answer to the threat of law coming in, is the threat to this Christian community of divisive and polarizing and destroying it, his answer is to understand who you are. There is value in understanding God's Word and understanding what it says. You have to begin there. You have to understand that you have been set free by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are free from the dominion of sin. You are free from the law. And you are free from legalism. You are free. Christians are to become what they already are. And I know this, think about that. We are to become what we already are. Christians are to make viable in the earthly realm of their human existence what God has already declared and sealed in the divine verdict of justification. Commentary by George. I love that statement. Christians are to become what they are. Make visible in the earthly realm of their human existence what God has already declared and sealed in the divine verdict of justification. You see, I'm a United States citizen. I was born a citizen of the United States. But you know, as I have grown and matured and aged and my life has gone on, I am, I am, no, I am no more a citizen today than I was on November 25th, 1952, when I was born. When I took that first breath, when Alvin took his first breath, trainer, he was born a citizen of the United States of America. But I'm a different citizen today than I was in 1952. Throughout those years, I've matured, I've grown. I came to the place, you know, I, I learned about my, my story. I learned about my country, about my history, what it means to be a citizen. I learned about President Lincoln and President Washington. And I, and, I, and, I, and I learned those things, and I learned the history. And I got to a point where I could vote and cast my vote. And I'd grown through the years where I could think seriously about issues that I vote on and make decisions in my community. I can contribute to my community. I can be a part of this community. There are those of you here who have served the military and have fought in combat. And we have those who have done, are doing so today who are in the military. These are all parts of being a citizen. It, it has never changed. It has never changed from the day I took my first breath, first breath until now. But it's different. I've grown into that and hopefully continue to mature and hopefully I am civil and civilized in a, in, a, in a positive part of my community. And just this is what Paul is talking about. When I became a Christian, from God's perspective, it was it. I, I was crucified, buried, and risen with Christ. It is a done deal. My sins have been forgiven. But as I've 
walk through life. I hopefully am becoming, in my daily experience, what God has declared me to be. Hopefully there's progress. Hopefully I'm becoming more and more in my daily experience what I already am in God's eyes. This is why we are here. This is why we study God's Word. This is why we read it and share. This is why we sing and worship. This is why we reach out to our community. This is why we go downtown and feed. This is why we hand out backpacks in school. This is why we help at Jacob's Well. This is why we offer clubs on Wednesday night to anybody who wants to come to Rwanda and Pioneer Girls. And we have Sunday school. This is why we do these things so we all can grow together and grow in what we already have been declared to be by God. Listen, friends, we are a free people. But as you know, as you well know, with freedom comes responsibility. As a free member of this society, I pay taxes to help support. Whether you like everything that's going on or not, I'm a civil person. I participate. I'm growing. Hopefully I'm doing my part as a citizen of the United States of America to make this a better place. And I hope you are too. And as a Christian, and we're going to talk about this, friends, next week. We're going to talk about the other side of the coin. If you just look at this side of the coin, on the freedom we have in Christ, we must be careful that we don't draw the boundaries so tight or we don't draw them at all. We do not want legalism, but neither do we want relativism. There are two sides of this coin. And the side of freedom from legalism, from the law, from slavery to sin, implies the other side that we're going to talk about next week of what it means to be a responsible citizen, a responsible part of God's family. This morning in Sunday school, uh, we had a wonderful time with Chuck and Judy sharing their story. You may have noticed the choir, the song was dedicated that they sang this morning. And I loved, um, uh, well, we just loved their, what they shared with us today. Very difficult, very deep. And as Chuck said, this, this has been the, 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 the worst year and the most difficult year. But, and I love that passage, Chuck, but, but God, because of God, it's been the best year. And, and, and Chuck shared in his closing comments that, that one of the things that, that he has found this year is that, is that, that freedom but, but that freedom, that, that freedom came through some very painful things. And the result was understanding in a greater way the freedom in Christ that we have. Freedom to not have to know all the answers. Freedom to not, you know, it's freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. It is so important. Young people, it is so important. It is so important. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody tell you that, that, that you, you can't ask questions, you can't do that, you, you have to do it their way, you have to do it God's way. This is your touchstone. This will always be your touchstone. God's Word. And we have the freedom to live by this Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see next week,
we have the freedom to become servants again. Freedom to become a servant. A servant of God. Thanks for joining with us for worship this morning. We invite you back next Sunday. We worship a God of new beginnings. And today is the first Sunday that we gather for 2014. It's a new beginning for us as a church family and for you as well. And I pray God's richest blessing on all of you as you walk with the Lord this week and understand who you are in His presence. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we do so. I just want to encourage you, friend, before we pray, uh, maybe a moment of silent prayer to just give God thanks. You may be struggling with something right now, and it's, it's deep and, 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 and difficult. Uh, there are things before you this coming year you're not sure of. There are uncertainties. But you can be sure of this. God loves you. God loves you. God is in charge. God is sovereign over all. He's a good God. He's our God because we belong to Him. This is a new beginning. Let's look to the Lord and let's grow this year in what we already are, His very own children. Lord, I want to thank You that You loved me enough that Jesus Christ died for me. That with my failings and weaknesses, my humanity, that I am complete in you. That I am whole through my Savior Jesus Christ. And Father, for each person in this room, now we all know our human condition. But we know from your word, and we know from the truth of your word, that through Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. And we are free. And we are free to live as free, responsible, grown-up people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just ask this day that you help us to enjoy your love, to enjoy this freedom, and to enjoy the responsibility of serving you and walking with you this week each step of the way. In Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen.